And um, that's great for this place, but it's sad for everywhere else, right? So, um, Pastor Josh Joy, thank you so much for letting the gifts of the Spirit come forth from this place. And you are right where you need to be. I could feel that. You guys don't, man, you guys don't go anywhere because this is the house that you're supposed to be in. And just having prophetic words and um, the worship and just worshiping, just sitting in the presence of God, not about going from song to song to song, but just letting God do his thing. You know what? When we let God do his thing and you guys are letting God do his thing. And, uh, man, the presence of God was thick this morning. Um, the second service, it was thicker. I could just feel it. I mean, man, it was like Shekinah glory. I was ready to see a cloud come in this place, you know? It's good stuff. I love that, man. I was like, I was about to tell John, don't even let me speak because I'm going to mess it up. So, but I'm glad I do get to share. Um, and then as I was worshiping, I don't know if this word is for anybody, but God just gave me a picture of a bicycle and you on a bicycle and you were like pedaling really hard and you were sweating and, and, you know, huffing and puffing and, and, uh, but you weren't going anywhere. You weren't going anywhere, and you were working so hard. And then you looked down, and you saw the chain is not even on. And I believe God is saying to you today, you know what? You worry so much, and you're trying to figure everything out on your own, and you're trying hard to make everything work, your family work, your job work, everything work. You're trying to pay the bills on yourself, by yourself, and, and you know what? You look down, your chain isn't even on. I'm your chain this morning. Put me back on, because the Bible says in Psalm 94, in the multitude of anxieties, your comforts, plural, comforts delight my soul. And so he has as many anxieties as you have, he has enough comforts to delight your soul. So put the chain back on your bike and start feeling what it really experiences, what it means to ride a bike and do it without any effort because God wants to comfort your soul. So I don't know who that was this morning, but if it was you, you take it and you listen to it and you run with it this week and let just God just take, take over. All right. Hey, um, I'm a good missionary. I didn't announce this in the first service because sometimes I forget. But I do have prayer cards back there. And so something I have to do, I guess. <laughs> I hate my picture on anything. You know what I'm saying? Um, but we have two prayer cards. This is my wife's prayer card. I don't know how many of y'all have a missionary prayer card on your refrigerator or in your Bible or on the bottom of your car seat or something. You know, you just throw it on the ground. I don't know what you do with it. I could care less. But um, this, is, this is what most missionary prayer cards look like, right? The perfect family, all dressed up, we all smiling, we all look, oh man, that's such a perfect family. But how many of y'all know the story right behind this picture? You family to try to take a family photo. Right before this, mom was screaming, she was shouting at the kids, some kids were crying. All of a sudden, we told them to smile one second, took the picture, and we're done. And so this ain't the real deal. You know what I'm saying? This is not the real deal. You take this picture and you say, man, I wish I could be more like that family. No, you don't. No, you don't. All right, so this is my wife's picture. And I was like, you know what, I am done taking those pictures. So this is my prayer card, all right? We in Thailand wearing swim caps, all right, making some stupid faces. So this is the real deal right here. This is our family. We should be locked up. So we got a little competition going. My wife is in Weston, Ohio, sharing at a church this morning, and we have a competition whose prayer cards are going to go first. Right now, mine are winning. Y'all know mine are winning. And I believe, I just look at this church, and I know y'all going for this one. I can tell you those type of people, you're going to go for this one. You're like, yeah, I ain't about that perfect white family right there, you know. But I'm all about that crazy one that should be locked up. So which, whichever, whichever prayer card you think, yeah, that's right. Whichever one you think needs more prayer, you take it. So put it on your fridge. Put it wherever you want. Wipe your butt with it. I don't care. Whatever you want to do. But I do ask that when you take that prayer card, just do what it says. Just pray for us. You know, just 
even if it's just a short little prayer, just lift us up because you never know what the power of your prayer might do when we're going through something on the other side of the world. And so, all right, well, my name is Mark Smith, and uh, I do send greetings from my wife and the rest of my family who couldn't be here this morning. Because we're doing such a short um, itineration, just five months, we have to split up every Sunday, which we hate because we love to share together. And she's a lot easier on the eyes than me. And so, but you got to look at me this morning, so I'm sorry, but it's all right. I'll get out of your vision, line of vision pretty soon. Um, but we are in Thailand, and uh, if you go to the next slide, you'll see four years ago, this is what our family looked like. And um, it's, it's funny, there must be a lot of big families here, right? Yeah, because I, I don't, every church I go to, when I show that picture, they're like, oh, my goodness, bless you. But y'all are like, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's normal, that's legit, man. You need some more. <laughs> You know, which I like. I'm in good company right now. But we call them the three bigs, the three littles. You guys see why? Because you got three bigs and three littles. My older girls don't like being called big, but that's what they are. Three bigs, three littles. And um, all the three on top have now moved out of the house. Two are married and one just graduated. And if you go to the next slide, you'll see uh, the oldest two are now married. And then we, hi, 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 why can't I talk? I have three grandkids. And so um, Megan and Seth on the left. Two grandbabies live in Wisconsin, and then Mark and Heather with their little baby, Aria, um, live in Laos as missionary associates with missionaries Zach and Danica Mobius. They're working with them. So hopefully some of y'all are looking and you're saying, man, you have six kids, three grandbabies. You don't look that old, right? Right? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> every, every year passes, man. I don't get a reaction anymore. But that's because out of our six kids, we have one boy, and all of our girls are adopted. Our five girls are adopted. Um, we adopted them as older kids, and so that's why I look like I'm 22, right? And um, I have six kids and three. That's right. Prophesy. That's a prophetic word right there. You want to prophesy right now over me that I'm 22? That's right. But right now, if you go to the next slide, this is what our family looks like now. We have three little. We have the three littles left, and so we feel kind of small. Um, and so we'd still like to adopt some more and maybe have um, another biological child. Um, but as the years pass... That sounds not as fun as it used to be five years ago. <laughs> so, but you know what? God has blessed us. And I said this in the first service. When you let God write your script, it's always going to be a bestseller. When you, got, when you let God write the script of your life, it's always going to be a bestseller. When you try to write the script of your own life, you're going to mess it up. There's always going to be a lot of takes. Take one, take two, take three. You know, but when God writes it, you just give him your yes and you'll be obedient. And you just see where it goes. That's the best place you can be. But about four years ago, um, God called us to Thailand. If you go to the next slide, you'll see where Thailand's at. When God called us to Thailand, I was like, where is Thailand? I thought it was Holland, near Holland or Denmark. I thought I was going to be a European missionary. And I was like, yes. You know, I was born in England, so um, I'm British. And I said, oh, great. I'm going back to my homeland. I'm going to, you know. And then I looked on the map and said, it's in Asia. It's in Asia, and Asia was a place my wife and I never thought about. And the culture, and I, I was just, what was your name again? Deborah? Gabrielle. I was just talking to Gabrielle and how um, Asian culture is so extremely different than Western culture. And she just went back two years ago and, f- and found that out, and we've been living there two years, and it was, it's very intimidating. It's extremely different. And you take this white boy Western missionary Grew up in, uh, was born in England, grew up in South Carolina, moved to California, then to Ohio, and you, God wants to put him in um, Thailand and in Asian culture. It's very, very intimidating 
because you have to, the language is extremely hard. To get around is extremely hard. To pay your bills, to find a grocery store, all these things that you could do all your life, now you have become a child again. You have to let somebody else teach you how to do that. So we said after some confirmations, after we threw out some fleeces before the Lord and said, God, answer this. If you want us to go here, answer this. And he answered every one of them. We said, we're going to Thailand. And so we've been in Thailand a little bit over two years, and we found out the country is 99% unreached. That means the chances of you meeting a a Christian in Thailand are few and far between. The chances of you hearing the name of Jesus is almost never. The chances of you seeing anything Christian-related are probably 0 to 1%, somewhere around there. So less than 1% are Christians. And when you're in Thailand, if you're born in Thailand as a Thai person, you are Buddhist. And so in America, right, you, you're born and you basically, if your family has a religion, whether it's Christianity, whatever it is, you basically grow up under that religion. And then as you get older, you get to choose basically what you want to do. But in Thailand, when you're, th- when you're born, you're Buddhist. And Buddhist is a religion of karma and merit. You're born with a particular type of karma, which means it could be good or bad, and that's going to be with you for the rest of life. You, you cannot change that. That's just who you are. But you can build your merit, which means you do good things over and over again, kind deeds, good actions, to build your merit so when you die, you come back as something better. So it's this continual cycle of doing good things so you can come back as something better in the next life until you reach the point of nirvana, which means nothingness, and you just stay there for the rest of your life of nothingness. So the goal of the religion is to become nothing. Now that sounds good. That maybe even sound kind of Christian, right? Become nothing, you know, increase, decrease kind of thing. But it's not that. It's become nothing, dead. You're just gone. And so you don't have to keep on coming back anymore. And now as far as Jesus is concerned, when I go up to a Thai person and say, do you know Jesus? They're saying no. And I'll talk about Jesus, what he did. The things that he taught, Sermon on the Mount, stuff like in Matthew um, 5 through 7. You know, all the good things he taught, be kind, give, you know, turn the other cheek. The greatest of all has to be the servant of all. All those things. Those are great things. And they say, yeah, man, that's a good guy. We'll take him. And we'll, we'll follow those teachings. But they won't take him as Savior. They'll just put him on the same shelf as Buddha and say, you know what, that's another part of my life where I can build merit. Follow the followings of Jesus, of Allah of Buddha, all these, all these different gods, because it builds merit, which means that they'll come back as something better in the next life. And so for them to actually accept Jesus as the only truth, the only way, the only life, means they have to, first of all, deny their very existence of who they are. Remember I said to be Thais, to be Buddhist? So they have to give up their culture, give up their community, their family isolates them, and they have nothing. For us to become Christians... Because we're supposedly living in a tolerant country, which we see it's not tolerant to Christianity. But when we become a Christian, our fam- maybe our family's not Christian. But we're like, okay, you can do that. That's fine. But that's not for us. But in Thailand, they say, what? Now you've become Christian? You've given up everything and you've rejected us. You've rejected our family. You've rejected everything it means to be Thai. And so it's a hard thing. So for somebody to go from being Buddhist to being a true bona fide follower of Jesus Christ sometimes can take years. For them to actually accept Jesus as the way, the truth, and life. I give altar calls in Thai churches all the time, and everybody comes to the altar. Because they're like, okay, we'll give our life to Jesus again. And then they'll do it next Sunday, next Sunday. Because they don't put together that to give their life to Jesus means that they have to deny Buddha. And to be gone and do away with everything that he stands for. And so it's very hard. But I, I said this in the first service. Do you know what? There's been missionaries in Thailand for 200 years And what missionaries could not do in 200 years, the Holy Spirit can do in an instant. 
Because when the Holy Spirit draws somebody, it's the real deal. Yes, we are the preachers. Yes, we are the avenues and the vessels that Jesus uses to minister to Thai people. But it is the Holy Spirit who breaks the chains. It's the Holy Spirit who sets people free. It's the Holy Spirit that introduces the truth of Jesus Christ into their hearts, and they grab a hold of it and say, this is the real deal. And so I actually got to experience a couple of those moments where people were set free. And if you go, yo, good job, Ben. You know where I'm going. This is my Thai lady a few months ago had a situation in her life that she became known of the love of Jesus Christ, and she wanted to give her life to Jesus Christ. So my little four-foot-eight Thai pastor, Thai people are extremely short, fits under my armpit. <laughs> so cute. My wife is six foot tall. It's hilarious when they stand next to each other. It's, it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito kind of thing. <laughs> it's hilarious. Oh, man. That's, on a side note, my wife did not want to go to Thailand because everybody was under five foot, and she's 6'1". And so she's like, I'm going to be a giant in the land of all these short people. And I said, that's perfect. They'll all run to you. And they do. They love her. And when she gives them all little hugs, you know, they just all fit, come up to her belly button. It's great. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. Yeah. I could go on with that forever because there's so many situations where I just laugh with her and a Thai person together. But anyway, this is my, and um, she wanted to give her life to Jesus Christ. So my Thai pastor called me and said, hey, do you want to go cast out demons? And I was like, what? Like, who does that anymore? Cast out demons. I'm like, is this dangerous? Am I going to get hurt? He said, no, let's go do it. And so, so we went to our house, and in all Thai houses, they have tons of, like, statues, idols, pictures of monks, all of this Buddhist demonic paraphernalia, all in their house. And in the top right, you'll see that that's called a spirit house. Every Thai person somewhere in their house has these spirit houses where they offer fruits, vegetables, and drinks to the Buddhist spirits, to basically demons, to appease them so they will keep their house safe and bless them. Very demonic. So we took this spirit house off, which was all made of concrete. So we put it in the pickup truck. We put the boxes in the back of the van. And we went to the church. We unloaded it all on the church property. We started to destroy it with these big mallets and then set everything on fire. While my Thai pastor is blocking me from being seen by anybody on the road. Because he told me afterwards, he said, if they would have seen you do that, they would have thrown you in jail. So I'm glad he did let me in on that after the fact. Because I wondered why he wasn't, he was, like, he was looking really uneasy. But you know what? So we went back to our house. Yeah. Went back to our house. We prayed over her. We prayed over all the rooms. We anointed the house with oil. And then she said, you know what? Now I don't have anything on my walls. I need pictures of something. She said, let me get a picture of Jesus. So we found her a picture of Jesus. I don't know where they found a picture of Jesus in Thailand. I don't know what. Maybe this is not even Jesus. I don't know. But we're going to call it Jesus. <laughs> they just found some white guy with long hair. Is not Jesus? I don't know, but we're going to call him Jesus, right? Because there ain't no Christian stories in Thailand where you can just go get a picture of Jesus, you know? We don't have time for anybody to paint anything, so. But it's going to be Jesus. Well, I know it could be Jimi Hendrix. I don't know. All right. <laughs> this, is, this is Jesus, right? She said, now take my picture because I want everybody to know that Jesus is the Lord of my life now. And so in one instant, God set her free, broke the chains of demonic activity over her life. Six weeks ago, I was in church with this lady standing next to me. She was singing entire worship songs, tears streaming down her face. She knew the truth. And just like we sang this morning, who the sun sets free, it's free indeed. She had no more shackles, no more chains. She was free. God set her free from the power of Satan. Amen. Can we praise Jesus for that this morning? Amen. Amen. Then the next slide is the same thing. It's just a, this is just a couple. It's the exact same story. Wanted to give their lives to Jesus Christ, went over the house, removed all the demons, destroyed it. Pastor looked uneasy because I was destroying these. 
demons went back to the house, anointed the, um, all the rooms, prayed over them and their kids. God set them free in a moment. She said, you know what? I have a hair salon in my house ever since I became Christian. No Buddhist, no Buddhist wants to come get their hair done. Prayed over their hair salon that God would send business. Now they're in church worshiping God, being set free by the power of Jesus Christ. And these are things that missionaries have worked so hard and, and, and plowed the ground. And what the Holy Spirit did in that moment was the fruit of their work. He set them free. He set them free. So amazing. And the next slide, I want to tell you the story of Caitlin. She's the white, fiery redhead there. She's not hard to pick out. Um, about a year ago, well, let me back up. When God called us to Thailand, we had the vision of adoption and foster care and turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the fathers to the children. And every Thai child deserves a godly home with a mother and a father. That was our vision. That was our heart. That's what we wanted to do. We wanted to rescue children. But a year ago, leadership in Thailand approached me and said, do you want to take over the study abroad program called APSI, which is an acronym for Asia Pacific Study Abroad Initiative? That's a mouthful. We just need to change it to something else. But APSI, it's a study abroad program where American university students from Assemblies of God Colleges in America come and spend a semester with us, and they get college credit for it. They learn Thai language, they learn Thai culture, and we teach them missions classes. So they asked me if I wanted to take leadership over this. And I laughed at him, the guy who asked me. I said, no, that is not my vision. That is not our heart. We're here about families. We're here about restoring families, rescuing kids, putting them in Thai homes with godly mothers and fathers. That's what we're about. That's why we're here. And we knew God had called us there to do that. Let me just take a break right here. When God calls you to do something... He never does it in the way that you think he's going to do it. Like you have your plan from point A to point B, and it's a straight line, but God's plan is always a zigzag, right? So don't ever say no to God when he is calling you to something that maybe you think has nothing to do with the original calling on your life. It's all connected somehow, even if you cannot write it down or figure it out. So I said no at first because I was that person who said, I see what we got to do, and this is the way to do it. And God calling us to run the study abroad program is just a detour. And it's a backward step. Well, the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me go for two weeks. So I approached my wife. She, she laughed too. She said, well, let's just pray about it. So we prayed about it over and over and over again. And Holy Spirit said, you don't know how it's going to work, but I do. I'm not going to tell you, but do you trust me? <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> you know, I, most men, we want blueprints, right? Give, you know, give us step one, step two, step three. This is how it's going to go. Most women, my wife was on board way before I was. She's like, yeah, God's got this. I don't understand either, but he's got it. Thank God for godly wives. Thank God for women. Amen? All right. <laughs> Thank God for women, right? Amen. <laughs> don't do that. Anyway, so I finally got on board, and the Holy Spirit confirmed it once again. He's so gracious that even when you say yes, he still confirms it over and over again in your heart, over and over. He shows you. So we said yes, and um, this January, we, took, we take over the study abroad program for the first time. Well, last spring, last January, we shadowed the former directors of this program. And this young girl, Caitlin, came from Minnesota to Thailand. Then she spent six weeks with Andre and I and worked with us. The, the way you get in Thailand, the way you 
get people's hearts and relationships is teaching English. They want to learn English. So Caitlin started teaching English to college students, to young college girls. She would teach them English during the day, and then they would go out at night to dinner or go have fun. And they would, the relationship was getting stronger and stronger. And then she would invite them to church. So two weeks before Caitlin went back home to Minnesota, this girl on top, Ploy, started to go into church with her two Sundays before, she, before Caitlin left. Caitlin went back to Minnesota. Six weeks later, which would be, probably be about two months ago, we get a text from Caitlin said, you won't believe what happened. This young girl, Ploy, kept on going to church without me. And just last, probably what, two months ago in July, she gave her life to the Lord for the very first time. She had never heard the name of Jesus. Now she is in the family of God and has given her life to Jesus. And then I, we just got a text probably about a month ago that two of these girls on the bottom just gave their hearts to Jesus. And let me tell you about this young girl, Caitlin. Two years ago, her mother killed herself. I don't know how anybody at 20 years old, you know, it's one thing your mother dying, but it's another thing your mother killing herself. She shouldn't be in Thailand. She shouldn't have been out there. She, should, she probably should have been on the floor crying, depressed, giving up on her life. And we would all say, that's, that's a very valid response. But somehow the Holy Spirit got a hold of our life and said, this is not the end. This is not who I made you to be. You go to Thailand for the semester. And because of her obedience, because she looked beyond her problems and beyond herself, she looked outside of herself and said, I'm supposed to be there. We got to meet her. We get to pour into her life. And then the turnaround, she gets to pour into these young girls' lives and gives... And they give their life to Jesus Christ because of it. Because a young girl in Minnesota said, I'm not going to give in to depression. I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm going to obey and go. Because if she wouldn't have done that, who knows? These young girls may never have met the Savior, Jesus Christ. And even in the midst of all this, I'm still wondering in the back of my mind how God is going to connect this study abroad program to our heart for family restoration, for adoption, for foster care, and all that stuff. I have no clue. But then God let me in on a little secret. He said, you know what? When you get these students, they're coming out at 21, 22 years old, juniors and seniors of colleges. For those of you who know anything about college or have been to college, I went four years. And I remember my freshman, sophomore year, I just played around because I didn't have to declare a major. So I was just like doing general math, English, and just goofing off. But then when my junior year came around, I was like, crap, i got to make some money and get a job soon. I'm like, it's not high school anymore, you know what I'm saying? Mommy and daddy are not going to pay for me. Mommy and daddy are not going to let me back in the house, you know? And so you start having this identity crisis, like, who am I? What am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? Well, that's the time when we get these students. Hello. So we have these students for four months. Guess what we get to do, my wife and I? We get to pour identity in them, destiny purpose, and we get to grab those thoughts. Remember, Jesus thinks about us. How great are the thoughts towards us, oh God? They outnumber the sands on all the beaches in the world. So we just get to grab a couple of thoughts. Jesus, what are you thinking about Caitlin right now? Caitlin, this is what Jesus just said about you to me. And we get to pour Jesus' thoughts and his, and his purpose into their life. And when they, when they go back home to America in the summer, all of a sudden, they have destiny. They have identity. They know who they are in Jesus Christ. And they may not know exactly what they're supposed to do, but they have the means to hear from the Holy Spirit. And so God said, you know what I'm doing? 
I'm giving you an army. You think you can do this adoption thing by yourselves as a couple? It's going to be too big. Because when I pour out the spirit of adoption in Thailand, when I pour out my love in Thailand, if it's just you two, it's not going to work. So I'm giving you a student army. Because some of these students are going to come back and they're going to lock arms with you. And they're going to run with your vision. Because you know what? You're 42, man. You can't run as hard as you used to like you were 21, 22. But if I put 20-something-year-olds with you, they can do the grunt work. They can run with you. They can take it farther than you ever thought you could take it. So God's letting me in because he knows how we work. He knows how guys work. That We need a little plan. And he's letting me in. But I still got to trust him because I still don't know how it's going to work. But I'm done asking questions. I'm just saying I trust you, Jesus. And so we're excited to see as we take over this program in January what God's going to do in Thailand, what God is going to do in the hearts of young people. And I ask that you pray for me because this month and next month I am traveling around to all the schools and colleges to speak and recruit basically. So pray that God will give us the right students who need to be in Thailand. Pray that God will give us the broken ones who need to be poured into identity and destiny and purpose. Because a lot of these students that we're getting now, they're broken, they're hurt. And they just need to hear that God does have a plan for their life. God does have big things. And they just, I just, we want that four months more. We don't want it just to be about getting credits. We want it to be about a time of kind of like um, where they get away from everything else. And it's just them and Jesus. And God has graciously given my wife and I the honor of facilitating that in their lives. Amen. So if you quickly turn to Hebrews 4.13, just want to take 15 more minutes. Hebrews 4.13, I think it will be up on the screen too if you don't have an electronic Bible or a paper Bible. Hebrews 4.13. You know, these past few years overseas, God has stripped me of my pride. He stripped me of my identity. And he has stripped me of what I think I knew about him. Do you know how devastating that is for a man at 40-something years old, who's supposedly supposed to got it, have it all together, for God just to come in and just say, nope, I'm going to take everything, and we're going to start over, basically. So I want to be real. I don't want to be one of those missionaries who comes up and gives you a song and dance. Believe me, you don't want to see me dance. I feel it. You know, I feel the beat. Like, I, can, I feel the beat, but I can't. When it comes out of these things, it's just really, it's really awkward. <laughs> it makes me feel awkward I'm, for people watching me. But you know what? <laughs> I don't want to stand up here and give a song and dance and be this perfect missionary and tell the great stories and for you to think, well, I could never be that because that guy is just, he's like a superhero. I am not a superhero. I want you to leave this place this morning saying, man, that guy is an idiot and I can be that. I can do that. That guy can do that? Well, I can do that. Because I believe every speaker who gets up in front of a pulpit should speak from the Holy Spirit, but not should speak in a way where you walk away saying, I can never live up to that. They should live, you should leave this place this morning encouraged and say, you know what? I can do this. I can do whatever God has asked me to do. So Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Let's read that again. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. All right. If everything is uncovered, 
if God sees everything, if he knows everything, sees everything, he knows everything you've thought, everything you've done, and everything you're trying to cover up, then wouldn't it be in our best interest to go ahead and volunteer that information to him? (laughs) Who do you think we're messing with? You think God's just going to look over our hidden things? Because it says we are going to have to stand before the one whom we must give an account. So if we have to give an account before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the God of the universe, it might be in our best interest to give up that information now rather than when we stand before him. I don't want to have to give up that information when I stand before him. Because at any moment he could take his finger and just flick me away. I want to do it now and voluntarily do it. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11, if we judge ourselves now... He won't judge us. What does that mean? I'd rather suffer my own judgment than God's judgment. (laughs) I'd rather stand before myself and look and do renovation and do introspection of my heart now rather than let God do that when we're face to face. See, God has given us his grace and his mercy right now to do that. But there's going to come a day where it will be like, It's not in your hands anymore. And that's not a good place to be unless you've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ and you've given all your sins to him. But if you haven't, if you've covered stuff up and you haven't confessed and repented and you stand before the living God, that's that's a scary place to be. But right now, God is giving you the freedom and the opportunity this morning to say, look in your heart, I am pointing you to things that you have covered up. Confess it, because I know about it anyway. You ain't fooling me. I know about it anyway, so you might as well say it. It's kind of like when your kids lie. You know they lied. And you're saying, I know you're lying, so just go ahead and say it anyway. No, I didn't do it. Oh, my gosh, I saw you. No, I didn't do it. And what do parents say? If you would just tell me the truth right now, your punishment would be so much less, right? It's the same thing with God. God's saying, if you just tell me the truth right now, you know what? Your punishment will be so much. Oh, no, God, I didn't do it. That's not me. God's like, oh, my. He's probably shaking his head saying, you don't want to have to stand before me. I love you. I want to be merciful and graceful. It's not because I'm, I, I, I wanna, want you to volunteer your sins and, and your areas of compromise in your life so I can just beat you and just condemn you. No, it's because so I can breathe new life and breathe purity and breathe holiness back into your life. He's not, he doesn't want you to confess all that stuff and give that stuff to him so he can just condemn you. God is, God, Pastor Josh talked about this morning, God is not a God of condemnation. He's a God of affirmation. He affirms us. He punishes us to affirm us, to bring us to a place where he wants us to be. Because God loves you too much to leave you in the place where you're at right now. And he'll do whatever it takes to get you to fulfill the destiny that he laid out for you before the foundation of the world. And if that means that he has to push on you and push on you until you volunteer that information that he needs, he'll do it because he loves you. And just like a parent, we're not doing it because we want to punish you and and put you on sugar restrictions or video games or pop your butt. We're doing it because we want to make you a better person because if you lie when you're an adult, child... You could get thrown in a jail. You could be perjury in court. I mean, anything. The punishment for lying when you're an adult, it's a lot severe the punishment when you lie when you're a child. <laughs> so I just want to give you a few confessions this morning from a man who's just a man who said yes to the call of God, and that's all I did. I don't have any special giftings. 
talents, abilities. I can do certain things, but there's nothing that is deserving of the call of God in my life. So the first thing is, I have nothing to give. I have nothing to give. The Bible says in John 15, 4 through 5, Remain in me and you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Whenever you are giving something that is outside of the authority of Jesus Christ in your life, you are giving something of yourself and it becomes prideful and egotistical and it puts the spotlight on you. A lot of us thinking we are ministering or doing something for Jesus Christ when all of it's, when all of it's doing is just putting the spotlight on us and has nothing to do with Jesus. As a minute ministry before I went to be a missionary for 17 years, I was a youth pastor, worship leader in South Carolina, California, and Ohio. And there were many times in my ministry where I preached a great sermon or I led a great song. Or I did things that impressed people, but it didn't impress God at all. God was sad. He was ashamed. Because the, the goal, the end, the, the, the end means of what I was doing was to get everybody to say, look, that was a good sermon. That was a good, you did so good. And what was filling my tank was the praise of man rather than the praise of God. And so more times than not, I would go around and I knew the people who would praise me, right? We know the people who would praise us. And we go around, we want to say, okay, tell me what you think. That was so good. You blessed me. Holy Spirit is really, thank you very much. It was all because of God. (laughs) But in my heart, it's like, thank you, my praise tank. My praise tank is going up. And God's saying, you know what? You're living for the praise of man and not for the praise of me. And you are on a very, very deadly track. Paul says that we have to be careful because we can easily become puffed up and prideful. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. What we see as fruit production is sometimes self-production. And what we see as fruit that is growing and becoming healthy is just rotting on the vine. And we need to do daily introspection of our heart where David said, search me and know my thoughts, God. Test me. That's what we've got to ask God. Search me, God. Am I doing this because I love you and because I want to see your glory cover the earth like the water covers the sea? Or am I doing this because I want my name to be great? God has one goal for himself, that his glory will cover the earth like the water covers the sea. And he has one goal for us, to make him famous. We're here to make Jesus famous so his glory can cover the earth. Anything outside of those two things is all about us. And so I had to repent. I had to say, God, if you're calling me to be a missionary, I don't want it to be about me. And I'm telling you, when you ask God to, say, to strip you of that, he'll put you in the biggest stripping of your life because he has to get those things out of your heart where you see you can do nothing without him. You can do nothing without him. God will do whatever it takes to get you to the point where he sees you 20, 30, 40 years from now. Everything that you have been through in your life, whether you know it or not, whether it was your choice or not, 
is all a part of what God can do to get you to who he wants you to be in the future. Nothing is wasted, even if it was your stupid choice that puts you there. Even if it was your stupid choice. I made a lot of stupid choices. Even God uses your stupid choices to teach you, to get you to the place where he wants you to be. One of my favorite authors is A.W. Tozer, a great, great preacher, about 100 years ago, I think. And we named our son Aiden Jeremiah after Aiden, uh, A.W. Tozer. means little fire. And A.W. Tozer said, it is doubtful that God can truly bless a man until he has crushed him. It is doubtful that God can truly bless a man until he has crushed him. Now, that doesn't go over well in Western society because we're all about bless me, bless me, and God does want to bless you, but there's a crushing. If you say yes to God's will, be ready for a crushing. That doesn't make you want to sign on the dotted line. That doesn't want to make you run to the altar. But we have to tell the truth. Because if you look at any great major player in the Bible, male and female alike, you'll see a crushing before they walk into the destiny God had given them. Right? Moses spent 40 years in the desert because he killed a man. God said, I got to get that anger out of you. And he still made some anger choices even when he was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, right? Maybe he should have spent another 40 years. <laughs> but God was gracious and said, it's time to go now. I'm going to burn that bush a little bit. <laughs> Joseph, a young boy full of pride. He could have kept those dreams about his brothers bowing down to him to himself. But he said, no, I'm going to tell my brothers. I'm going to tell them because I'm going to get mine. So he went and told his brothers, one day you're going to bow down to me. I had two dreams. It's all God. And these brothers were like, oh, that's, that's great. We love you. No, they weren't. How many of y'all have brothers and sisters? You, if you went up to your brother or sister, your older brother or sister, and said, one day you're going to bow down to me and, and kiss my feet. Oh, my gosh. If I said that if I said that my sister, my sister's bigger than me. She would have sat on me. I would have been gone. I need to come up for air. Um, <laughs> So there was pride that God had to get out of Joseph's life. So he went what? To the pit, to the prison, and then to the palace. Because it was in the pit and prison where God did a work on his heart. Got his pride out of his life. And then he, he uh, promoted him to the destiny that God had for him. We could go on and on with stories in the Bible that you see it. I mean, what? Paul was shipwrecked, beaten, stoned, whipped. Now he's considered one of the greatest missionaries to ever live. There's a price to pay to follow God. There's a cost the Bible says consider the cost. A lot of us sign up, but we don't really consider the cost, or we try to avoid it to make our life comfortable. God's not about comfort. God's about making you uncomfortable so you can walk in the destiny, which is the most comfortable thing you can do with your life. Most comfortable thing you can do with your life. So instead of blaming your crushing on the enemy, maybe you start saying, God, is this you? If it is, what do you want to teach me? Because I don't want to keep on going in circles. Because God will take you over and over again through the same thing until you say, oh, duh, maybe I should start learning what I'm supposed to learn. Believe me, I've done that many times, many times. I could tell you stories, and I finally woke up and said, oh, you want me to learn this? Then as soon as I humbled myself and learned it, I went on to the next stage. There's, there's times of blessing, and there's times of advancement, but there's times of, of hiding, and there's times of crushing. It's not about being in the prosperity season all your life. God doesn't want to keep you there because that won't get you to the next stage where he wants you to move into. With promotion, there comes crushing. 
with influence that comes crushing. And if you can't accept that, then you'll never walk into the destiny that God has given you. And it's not because he hates you or wants to beat on you. It's because he loves you. And it's totally contrary to what the world says. The world says to advance in life, you step on anybody you have to step on and you do whatever you have to do to get yours. That's totally it. Because we live for a kingdom that's inside, upside down, right? Inside, outside, upside down. The first will be last. If you want to be great, you have to serve all the stuff. So embrace the suffering. Paul says, we want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection. Yes, Jesus. We can sing that. You don't hear any songs about the fellowship of his suffering. I'm going to write a new worship song, Fellowship of His Suffering. We're just going to sing it for 30 minutes. And we're going to jump and dance and, and, you know, we're going to have a good old time. Because that's not happy stuff, is it? <laughs> but Jesus says, to know me, yes, you've got to know the joy and the power of my resurrection. But you also got to know me in the fellowship of my suffering. Paul embraced that. He said, to live as Christ, to die is gain. If I should go on living... I'm going to see Jesus, but if I should die, it's good for you because I'm going to bring you with me. Man, we can learn a lot. Number two, there's a lot of junk in my heart. Can you imagine right now if I took your hearts and somehow I put a flash drive into your heart and I downloaded all the thoughts, all the feelings, everything that's ever happened in your life onto that flash drive. We went back to that computer, put it in there, and displayed it in a big video. Woo. That'd be some repenting, right? We'd be all laying prostate before the Lord, right? Because, man, can you imagine if, if we all knew everything that you felt and thought about somebody else? How many of y'all would have, like, 80 years to life in jail, right? No chance for a pill, right? Oh, my gosh. But the overflow of the heart, whether bad or good, comes out in action and words. My mom used to tell me when I was growing up, son, you put garbage in, garbage is going to come out. Right? You plant a lemon tree, you're going to get lemons. You don't get apples. And I used to, like, get so upset at my mom because she would say that all the time. You know those little sayings at your mom? And then you say, I'll never say that. Now I use it with my own kids. Mm. <laughs> Matthew six twenty two through 23 says, the eyes are the lamp of the body. Matthew six twenty two through 23. Whatever you put in your eyes, it says, will determine if your heart is full of light or full of darkness. Now, we could all stand up here today and say, yes, there are things we know as Christians we shouldn't put in our eyes. No pornography. Watch uh, just, uh, just uh, egregious violence in movies and TV. There's all things that we can all agree on as Christians that we should not be putting in our eyes. But what about the things that we disagree on? What about the areas of compromise that we've led into our life and they are not necessarily keeping us in or out of heaven, but what are they doing to us? They are deadening the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When we are constantly putting things that we say, you know what, that's not that bad. I mean, look what, look what my buddy's watching. I mean, man, I'm not like that. Look what the world is watching or doing. I'm not like that. And we put our standards next to somebody else's or the world's system. And that alleviates any guilt because we say, well, we're not as bad as that. Where Jesus is saying, you know what? The line of compromise is here. I want you as far away from it as possible. It's not about getting up to the line and staying there. 
It's about getting as far away as possible. It's not a heaven or hell issue, but for me, it's even a bigger issue of not being able to discern or hear the voice of the Holy Spirit because you've let so many other voices and images into your heart and mind that kind of deaden and hush in that voice. We do the same thing with my kids. They watch cartoons. They watch Disney stuff. But we always constantly have to monitor that because those things in the, of themselves are not bad. It's nothing wrong with them. But if they're constantly having a diet of that, what's going to happen when they want to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in their devotions in the morning? All they're going to hear about is funny quotes or images from a movie they've seen. And they can't pick up on the signal of the Holy Spirit because he can't get through because they have fed their heart, they fed their eyes, things that are not necessarily evil, but they have taken the place of what the Holy Spirit should be in their lives. I think the biggest lie of the enemy in the American church is not sin, but it's compromise. And he's just lulling us to sleep, saying, that's okay. Yes, that's okay. And it's rendering us ineffective where we think we are being model Christians, but where we could have a profound, impactful um, influence in our families, in our world, in our towns, is being nullified because we're letting areas of compromise. And the devil is just saying, you think you're good and you'll go to heaven, but at least you're not taking anybody with you. Because you've deadened the voice of the Holy Spirit and he can't direct and guide you anymore. So I'm not saying that to be judgmental. I'm saying that because I'm not going to go up to you and say, give you a list. This is what you should do, shouldn't do. Because that's not what it's about. That's legalism. That's legalism. No one should get up here and tell you outside of the true sin issues, you shouldn't do this, this, and this. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and convicts you of something, you say yes, and you get it out of your life. And that's different for everybody, but you know. But you know when you are watching something or doing something that it's not making the Holy Spirit happy. So you need to deal with that because that's rendering you ineffective. And most importantly, all of a sudden you can't hear the Holy Spirit. And I think that's, man, if you could, if I was to, if I was to label one thing in my life that I would never want to happen, I would, if you were to tell me I would never hear the voice of the Holy Spirit again in my life, that would, I would just want to die because I need him. We need him. He's the guarantee. He's the deposit of Jesus in our hearts and lives. He's the communication between us and the Father. The Holy Spirit takes what he hears Jesus and God talk about in the book of Romans, and he brings it back to us and tells us the secrets. Woo, that's good stuff. Mm. Tell me your secrets. So there's a lot of junk in my heart. Number three, I don't know anything. <laughs> this is real stuff. I don't know anything. Ecclesiastes 11.5 says, You cannot know the path of the wind or how a tiny baby grows in a mother's womb, so you cannot know or understand the activity of God. It's only by God's grace that he led us in this morning to some of his prophetic words of what he's saying. It's only by grace, God's grace and mercy that we felt him this morning. That was a gift. We don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. It was God showed up. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I'm all about education. I'm all about studying. You know, I'm getting my master's right now so I can lead the study abroad program so I can teach college students, which I am not a school person. When God told me to go to college to get my youth ministry degree, I was like, oh, it's just something I have to do to get the degree. And now God called me to the study abroad program and said, if you want to teach college students, you have to be credentialed um, with, you know, colleges and you have to have a certain level of education. I said, okay, I'll do it. You know, I'm not a school person. But somehow God has me going through these steps because it's a means to an end. 
and I'm gaining a lot of knowledge. I'm writing a lot of papers, listening to a lot of great professors. But I have to be very careful that my knowledge doesn't puff me up. There needs to be a marriage of knowledge and Holy Spirit at all times. There's a lot of great speakers around the world and in this nation that can impress you with their words, but they are lack and void of the Holy Spirit's power. And what does Paul say? I just don't come to you with persuasive words. I come to you with the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul was one of the greatest educated rabbis of his time. Remember, who was Paul before Paul? Saul. Remember? And he was one of the greatest rabbis. He knew the word. He knew it back and forth. He knew the law. But he said, you know what? I don't come to you with that stuff. Yeah, that will impress you, but I come to you with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we need in Thailand, and that's what we need in the American church. And that's why I'm so grateful that you at Vision Ministries let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do when he wants to do it, even if it means changing your agenda. So important. And so I don't know anything. I think I know less now than I ever had before in my life. And it's very humbling. But when I admit that I know less now, or when I admit that I don't know anything, God says, that's all right. I'm giving you my wisdom. And you know what? I take my wisdom and I embarrass the wise with it. So you be a fool. You, you be a fool and I'll make you wise and I'll use you. And so that's all we have to do. We just be fools with Jesus. <laughs> that's easy, right? Yeah, that is easy. Some of us already got that down to a T. <laughs> We're like, sign me up. Because God takes the foolishness of this world to embarrass the wise. Because God can use whoever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, and do with it what he wants. Some of us are still caught up that he's doing something for somebody else and not blessing us or not taking care of us because they don't deserve it. Who cares? God is sovereign. He does what he wants. And as soon as you, as soon as you embrace that God is sovereign, he does whatever he wants, and he loves you, you don't care about what's happening with anybody else. You don't compare anymore. You don't play that compare game. They have more money. They have more this, this, and this. But they're doing this, this, and this. And I'm not doing that, that, and that. But I don't have this, this, and this. And God's saying, you know what? Stop comparing. I'm taking care of you. I take care of them. What I want to do with them is not up to you. Don't judge. Don't hate. Just embrace it and be thankful that I haven't flicked you off the face of the earth yet. (laughs) God can use evil for good. How many of y'all know God can put Hillary or Trump in the presidential office and he can use them to do whatever he wants? Do you know how many times God used evil kings for his purposes? He can do whatever he wants. He can take that hairpiece and make it look pretty if he wants to. <laughs> so, <laughs> But he can do it. Everything is for his purposes. So just embrace it. God's in control. God's in control. And so I'm here to encourage you this morning. I'm here to tell you that you have nothing to give. You have a lot of junk in your heart, and you don't know anything. God bless you. (laughs) Go with God. All right. Drop the mic and walk off. But you know what? If you don't have anything to give, if you know you have a lot of trash in your heart, and you know you don't know anything, then who is the responsibility on? And you are in a perfect place for him to use you. Some of you are using yourselves, but God's not using you. So we just need to say, you know what? I don't have anything. 
And here I am, 42 years old, and preaching this message to you and being transparent, saying, you know what? I got trash in my heart. I got nothing to give, and I don't know anything. Why they give me the mic this morning? I don't know. All I know is that God has given me the opportunity to do this, and it's by the grace of God and his mercy that you are here in this place, and I am standing up here this morning. No other reason. It's nothing that you have done that deserves to have life this morning. It's all because of Jesus Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, it is by the grace of God I am what I am. And everything else in this world compared to Jesus is trash, is rubbish, is dung. Everything compared to knowing Jesus. So if you don't have anything to give, you've got a lot of junk and you, and you don't know anything, then what is this life all about? Why do we, why do we even live it? Well, if you look at your life in the book of James, and I close with this. It says, life is a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow, a flower quickly fading. A vapor in the wind. So if you look at your life, say you live 60, 70, 80 years, 90, if God gives you extreme favor. And you look at your life, and you compare it to eternity, which is forever and ever and ever. What is our life? Two seconds. Two seconds. So what are you doing with your two seconds? What are you doing with your 60, 70, 80 years? What are you doing? Are you making the most of it or are you squandering it? Are you living it for yourself or are you living it for Jesus? Are you living it in the truth of who Jesus is or are you lying to yourself? What are you doing with your two seconds? Your two seconds could be here in Toledo, could be here at Vision Ministries. But let me just say something to you. The place that you are used to sometimes is not the place where you belong. We can't get too comfortable. God has taken me through a, se- a season. These uh, Over 10 years, I've been uncomfortable, uncomfortable. Outside of all these adoptions, we lost 11 babies. It was uncomfortable, 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 crushing, crushing, crushing. And I am standing here this morning because of the crushings. And I stand up here, a man who is better than I've ever had spiritually in my life, and I feel like I don't have anything. I feel like I'm closer to Jesus today, and I feel like I have nothing. I feel like I know the heartbeat of God better than I have ever done before because I have been crushed. And I don't say that to say, look at me, look at me. I say that because that's how God's kingdom works. So what are you doing with your two seconds? If you're supposed to be here in this church, in this city, then you stay here. You just don't say, wow, that was a great message. I need to go somewhere else and do something else. No. You obey God wherever you're at. You give him your yes. Because let me tell you something. We're all going to be standing in the same line. When, we, when I get to heaven, just because I was a missionary doesn't mean I'm going to get in the supersized line and get more rewards, right? Oh, that's the missionary line. We can't go over there. That's the missionary line. No, we're going to be in the same line because God doesn't give rewards based on the magnitude of our calling. He gives rewards based on our obedience. So, if you're obedient here at Vision Ministries, we're going to be in the same line. We can chat a little bit until we get to the, tr- the reward trunk. We're going to be in the same line. So it's not about doing some great calling. Maybe some of you are called to the other side of the world. Maybe some of you are called wherever. It doesn't matter. But as long as you give God your yes and you're obedient, that's all that matters with your two seconds. I want to have my heart in a way where the position of my heart is yes before God even asks the question. I don't want him to have to ask the question and then me wonder what I'm going to say. I want God to look at me and say, I'm going to ask him to do that because I know he's going to give me a yes before I even ask it. That's where your heart always needs to be. So if your heart is always there, you're always going to be walking in the two seconds. 
that God has asked you to walk into. Whether you are 13 or whether you are 70, whether you're just starting out your two seconds, don't think you have to wait until you're an adult to start your two seconds. It's right now. And don't think you cash in your chips and you just go lay on the beach somewhere and retire. That's not what life is about. Life is about living your two seconds from the day you have your first breath to your last one. And as long as you are obedient to your two seconds, you will stand before the King of Kings and you will stand before the great judge, not with fear and trembling, but with confidence because you know you lived out your two seconds and he will say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. I don't want to have any regrets in heaven. I don't want to stand before Jesus and have regrets with my life. I want to say, God, I tried my hardest to obey the two seconds that you have called me to. So what is your two seconds? So ask Holy Spirit right now, what is your two seconds? Are you living it? Are you running from it? Are you, is there compromise in it? Are you doing your two seconds? So Holy Spirit, will you just work this morning as we close out? Just ask Holy Spirit that you would just speak to hearts. That you would do what you want to do in spite of me. Do what you need to do in spite of me. If you're in this place this morning and you say, I need to give my two seconds to Jesus for the first time. I'm ready to give my heart to Jesus and I'm ready for him to talk to me about my two seconds. And I believe he died on the cross. And I want to be set free and I want to live the two seconds Jesus has for me. If you're here and you need to give your heart to Jesus, Will you just raise your hand? If there's anyone in here, closed eyes, eyes open, I don't care. Anyone in here? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Just wait a few more seconds. Thank you. You can put your hands down. If you're here this morning, you say, man, Mark, I hear you. I'm messed up too. And you're saying, man, I got stuff in my heart. And oh, I just want to just, you know, I love Jesus and I'm trying to live my life for him. But I just need to recommit my two seconds to him this morning. And I said, I just need to give it to him. And, and yes, there's a lot of junk in my heart. And I agree with that. I have nothing to give. And I don't know anything. I just need Jesus this morning. And I just need to recommit my two seconds to him. Or I need to know my two seconds. Well, you need confirmation that what you're doing right now is your two seconds. If that's you this morning, will you just raise your hand? Amen. Amen. I want to pray for you this morning. And if you, if you were the couple people who asked Jesus to be your Lord for the first time, I just want you to talk to him right now. I just want you to say things like, Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me for the times I messed up. Forgive me for the sin in my life. I'm sorry, God. I can't forgive my I can't forgive for you, but I know your forgiveness is readily available to me right now. Just just let his forgiveness just, just sweep into your hearts right now. He's covering those sins. Everything that you felt condemned, everything that you've had just regrets, he's covering it all right now. And he's thrown it into the sea of forgetfulness. The deepest part of the sea is 35,000 foot deep and anything that goes down there never comes up. The only time that it comes up is when somebody goes down there and gets it. And so right now, God wants to throw those sins into the sea of forgetfulness and he's going to leave them in there and he's forgotten about them. So his blood is going to cover your sins. 
So let that be freeing to you this morning. Just say, God, forgive me. Thank you for covering my sins. I believe you died on the cross. I believe that you died for me and that you love me. And I want to live my two seconds for you. I want you to be Lord of my life. And I embrace you right now. Lord, and I pray for those who want to recommit their two seconds or maybe finding their two seconds or maybe want confirmation that what they're doing is their two seconds. I pray, Father, Holy Spirit, that you will speak into their hearts right now, that throughout this week, as they're just throwing up five-second prayers throughout the day, that you'll talk to them, that somehow you'll speak to them through a song, through another person, through a situation. But Lord, the Holy Spirit, you will speak and you will make yourself very clear, that you will just confirm, that you will just birth something new, Lord Jesus, into their hearts, God. Thank you, Father God, that all we have to do is give a yes and be obedient, and you are faithful to complete the good work that you have for us. You are the one who's faithful, Lord Jesus, God. So we put our lives in your hands, our 60, 70, 80 years. We put our lives in your hands. Do what you want, when you want, however you want. Lord Jesus, it's up to you. You are sovereign and we are not God. We just want to be your faithful stewards, Lord, of what you have given us, Lord. We walk in your mercy and grace every day. Help us to recognize that, that we stay flat on our face. Our position of our heart is, Lord, laying prostrate before you, just being thankful with God that you would even consider to be, us to be used by you. We love you in this place this morning. So thankful, Lord Jesus, that you have given me chance after chance after chance after chance. I don't deserve anything, but somehow you love me with a love that is undefinable and unexplainable. Help me to love you the way that you love me. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.